Listener Production. Relish, chutney, hollandaise or HB? Things are about to get saucy. You naughty little monkeys, you. It's Matt and Alex All Day Breakfast. Yes, it is Matt and Alex on All Day Breakfast and it's a happy World Art Day to you, Alex Dyson. Well, thank you very much. I did do creative arts at university, which led me to the career I currently have now. (laughs) Ah, yep, that'll do it. I remember I drew a very good good picture of Cyclops once based off the cover of an X-Men magazine. His His foot was abnormally large, I'll say that, but the rest of him was very in proportion. But... I should say it's not just World Art Day. It's actually it's actually also Universal Day of Culture, right? So, so universe trumps world. <laughs> so, so yeah, there is that that Miss World and Miss Universe and Mister Universe and Mister World and yeah, it feels everything. like it, you know because I mean one's World Art Day that's just art, right? Then it's Universal Day of Culture, so you know which also encompasses art, but the universe encompasses the world. So, I don't know. It could also... It's probably something like National Scribble Day or something like that. You well, know, that, that it's Leonardo that. da Vinci's birthday, so... Uh, is it really? Yeah, cop that. And that's the, This is the beauty of having a daily podcast is you get to celebrate these things every single day. There's something new about every day. Every day is an opportunity, Matt O'Kine. And today uh, is my opportunity to rub your face deep in your beloved sour cream and then put some sweet chili on it uh, yeah, as, good, as you correct, like it. <laughs> that's the correct order of dipping sauce. So we're going to be chatting to a chef, and yeah. a very well-known Australian chef. Thank you very much. You'll have seen this gentleman's face well and mm. truly on many a TV screen. Yeah, World War Wedge has been raging for the past two days. We're hopefully putting an end to it today um, by bringing in a professional to let us know exactly which order it should be done in. Um, before that happens, should we pledge whatever they say goes and we'll have to do that from now on? I, I confidently can tell you that I, I, I think I'm right already. So, yeah, sure, whatever you reckon, mate. Ooh. You're the one who's going to have to change. Ooh, all right. Well, we'll see how we go. That is happening today on All Day Breakfast. Hope you're having a good one. Let's go. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Matt and Alex, All Day Breakfast. Now, first things first, Matt O'Kine, I was very, very excited to see an ABC article this week. You know, I like to keep on top of all the news. And there was Mm -hmm. some big news going on with the launch of the HMAS Supply in Sydney. A brand new boat going to be part of the Australian Defence Force in the Navy. And um, rather than just popping a little bit of champagne on the front and letting it go out, they decided to spice it up a little bit. And in this particular news story, you see some video footage of all the dignitaries sitting down at the launch of this boat. And they're in their white, their crisp white uniforms. They've got yeah. medals all over them. And they are watching a group of uh, of dancing women in red berets and crop tops do a quite, a, it's a very... I've seen a video clip recently of a bit of a Cardi B video clip in mm. which some dance moves are put out, and I've got to tell you, some similarly saucy moves were found in this one. I've got to tell you, the faces on the faces on these dignitaries were was quite priceless. Um, it was it was the social event of the season, and to find out a little bit more about it and how defence is responding, um, we crossed to the ABC's defence correspondent Andrew Green, who wrote the article, is joining us now. Hello, Andrew. G'day. Great to be with you guys. Yeah, I thought these girls were reporting for booty. 
by the looks of what <laughs> oh, I saw. Oh, right. we saw oh, have you okay. just been putting together your news article for the ABC <laughs> 7 o'clock bulletin? Is that what's I been have. going on? And guess what? All my jokes are being struck out with a big red pen. So oh. if I can't use them on the TV, I'll use them with you. Well, Fair look, enough. at least at least this ship didn't get stuck in a canal. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, this, isn't, this isn't the worst thing that's happened on a boat recently. So can you tell us how this, how did this happen? The ship wasn't infected with coronavirus. Mm. It yeah. stayed afloat. It didn't block anything. It was just a very energetic dance performance and uh, they were getting into it. The people watching perhaps weren't as into it as the dancers themselves. It's a group called 101 Doll Squadron, so a bit of a military theme and they had red berets on, so it wasn't entirely out of place. It's just that we don't often see twerking at uh, fleet base eats, well, certainly not uh, before nighttime and a few beers. Yeah, it was. it's quite remarkable to watch and the Defence Force have come out and called it quite inappropriate. What's What has been the reaction from these officials? Well, look, officially the Defence Force is saying that uh, the Governor-General was not present for the dance performance. He arrived later. But certainly the Chief of Defence had been there and he, uh, he is said to have been a bit awkward from people I've spoken to, thought it was a little bit, bit, bit not normal so we're still uh, we're still hearing a little bit of reaction from from the defense force about it but others in the government they're a little bit more cranky about it they say this wasn't what should have been uh, happening when you're commissioning a new warship. All right. Well, look, as a stand-up comedian for 16 years, I have done some absolute honkers when it comes to gigs. All right. Now, I'm talking about standing next to the buffet while people are lining up asking me a mid-joke. They're going, where are the plates? Do you know where the plates are? You know, I've, I've heard of comedians have to in front of an entire group of workers that have just been made redundant, <laughs> then gone, but anyway, to cheer you up, we've got oh. some entertainment and the comedians <laughs> had to come out. So I know that performers get stitched up all the time. How, what have the dance troops said about this? Has there been any statement from them? No, there hasn't. And and they're, they're a local community group in Sydney that were invited from what we're told by the Defence Force to to take part in the commissioning of a ship that's going to be based in their community on the Sydney Harbour there. But uh, we haven't heard from 101 Dole Squadron yet. Uh, there's been no comment that I've seen, but certainly a lot of politicians getting very cranky. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. At the moment, you, you might have noticed that uh, issues about women are fairly, fairly topical at the moment at Parliament House. Well, that's it. The, the dancers themselves were great. They did an excellent performance. The ship itself, what a beautiful vessel. But it's the, the, the amalgamation <laughs> of the situation which has made it so uh, such a strange one. Um, do we know if this is going to be becoming a bit more of the norm in the future? <laughs> Are we going to be having a little bit more? Is... Matt O'Kine going to come and do a stand-up comic <laughs> set at the launch of the next big, uh, big frigate. I'm going to make a prediction. There won't be an encore for the poor old 101 Doll Squadron. I think they'll be they'll be back to more more their usual scene of hip hop festivals. But yeah, um, yeah I think we're we're going to be stuck with the military marching band next time. Well, oh, that's boring. I say more twerking. Yep. 
I mean, we need to get, we need to liven things up. Good on 101 Doll Squadron. If if you need dancers, check them out because they're they're going to be taking a little hit from this. Yeah, well, I I reckon this is a very good advertisement because people seeing this all around the nation will be able to get them in for a potentially more appropriate situation. But <laughs> what if enemy be forces for are watching and they're like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good dance oh, trip. We're that's pretty it. good. Some people, are, some people are being unkind and saying that you know China's laughing at us, but I don't think they are. I think they're. They're probably jealous, and uh, yeah. and our our, our defence force looks formidable. Yeah, and it's, there's always this weird discrepancy where these people calling this, you know, scantily clad women inappropriate, and then saying we need to get back to what the military's about: lethal violence. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, that's that's more appropriate. Killing people is more appropriate than having a little twerk. I don't know. I don't get it, but we appreciate you uh, keeping on top of these issues, Andrew Green. Thank you very much. Best of luck with the bulletin. Hopefully, the uh, the editors don't take out too many of your puns for the ABC News tonight, and uh, we will catch you soon. I'll be definitely straight 180. All the best. See you guys. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Coffee? Yeah, go A seventh coffee never hurt anyone. Oh, I feel a buzz. Well, it's a Thursday, and we know that on Thursday, the uh, snivelling grubs of Australia come out and uh, get on the knees and just pray for forgiveness because it's National Partner Apology Hotline Day, Matt. Yeah, that's right. Look, I'll kick start by saying a little apology to my partner, Belinda. Um, What's happened? Well, you know, for a while there, we went on the back and forth about whether there was any point in using baking paper when it came to <laughs> cooking things like roast vegetables in a tray. They're getting stuck on the tray, mate. Your sweet potato I getting stuck to the bottom. I didn't care. I was fine with it. Yes, it was a little bit harder to clean, but I was okay with it. Mm. I used some baking paper on the weekend and then straight away in my head I thought, geez, this was handy. And I thought I I, I owe Belinda an apology. So well, I'm sorry. Good. I'm that sorry for ever doubting what you said about baking paper. It is good. Very nice. Um, on my ends, uh, just been watching a bit of B-ball during the day, mm. uh, flick on the NBA. Problem is moving to apartment now, just down the corridor from Woods is the Goods. Um, doing her work, which is very music and audio based. So at times need to record some audio. Meanwhile, Daiso's in the other room having a big yell when stuff like this happens. Cody Zeller, offensive rebound. Bridges! Oh my God! So it's it's slightly loud there. (laughs) Uh, So apologies to Woods for um, making that part of my day. But thank you very much for getting in touch because as part of National Partner Apology Hotline Day, we do ask you to send us a voice memo with your apology. I know Um, words are beautiful and they can heal. And so let us know who you are, where you're from and what you're apologizing for. And Matt, we do give a Matt and Alex all day breakfast, all day robe, a proper, legit fluff-tacular dressing gown to the best apology of the week. And this week, we've got four absolute crackers. Absolutely. So let's get stuck into it. Hey, Matt and Alex. I would just like to apologise to my husband, Tom, for all my new pregnancy quirks, especially the time we were at the pub and I got really angry at him because it looked like he was going to finish my tomato sauce, even though... I'd finish eating my chips and I don't really eat tomato sauce that much. Sorry, babe. 
Hey, Matt and Alex, it's Eloise from Melbourne. I would just like to apologise to my partner, Tom, uh, for putting myself on a waiting list for a puppy without telling him. I thought I would have six to 12 months to pluck up the courage to tell him that we were getting a dog, but it turns out there was a dog ready right away. So sorry, Tom, for not telling you that we were getting a puppy, but he will be home in three weeks. Oh, <laughs> I kind of hate that. <laughs> So my partner has asked me to ring in and apologise to him. So when I do number one on the toilet, occasionally I don't flush because I think that I'm saving on water, which is good for the environment, as well as our water bill at the end of the month. So unfortunately for him, that means when he goes to door number two, he has to push his number two down with the toilet brush because the toilet's that clogged up with paper that it can't flush properly. So I'm sorry, honey. I know this frustrates you and I know this upsets you, but I can't promise it's not going to happen again. If it's yellow, let it mellow. Good morning, Anne from Annandale. I just want to apologise to my fiancé for quite regularly turning all the lights off in our house before we go to bed. I know that you're scared of monsters. I'm very sorry. I can't help myself. But you need to grow up. (laughs) (laughs) Little bit of sting in the tail of that apology there. Ange from Addendale finishing off this week. It's a bit scary in the dark sometimes, though, isn't it? You know? (laughs) Occasionally. Do a little bit of. Oh, what you, got to get in those sheets quickly. Absolutely. <laughs> well, me. thank you very much for doing that. I reckon we should give it to <laughs> to Mel, who is pregnant, is expecting, um, very, very <laughs> protective of her tomato sauce. And I think um, the perfect pregnancy outfit is a Matt and Alex all-day breakfast, all-day robe. But you do not want to get sauce on this fluffy white <laughs> goodness. So keep it away from the chips and keep it exclusively to the bedroom, bath and sauna. <laughs> and uh, we will we'll catch you next week. And Sending your apologies anytime. Yeah, get on it right now to put yourself in the running for the all-day breakfast robe next week. Give us your name, where you're from and what you're apologising for. Order up. Just how you like it. Perfect. All day breakfast. For many years, Matt O'Kine, www has meant the start of a URL to a website, but that is changing ever since this week. Uh, Rant Dog had a little chat about wedges and um, it seems the order at which I decide to put my condiments on my potato wedge has just driven a wedge through the entire Australian society. Yeah, look, for the first time in the six to seven years that we've worked together, you've finally put your foot in it, mate. People have finally realised that there is some cracks in uh, in that otherwise perfectly polished exterior of yours. Or is there? Because I'm not conceding that putting sweet chilli on your wedge first and then going for the sour cream is not the correct way to eat your wedge. So we thought we would get someone on board who knows food, Matt O'Kine, and can put this issue to bed once and for all. Yeah, that's right. He's a good mate of mine. We've worked uh, a bunch of times together on a cooking show, on live festival, food festivals. He uh, is one of Sydney's most prominent chefs and Australia. You, you would have seen him on My Kitchen Rules. You would have seen him on Plate of Origin. He was on the I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here this year. Please welcome to Matt and Alex All Day Breakfast, the one and only Colin Fasnage. 
How are you guys? Oh, we're well, just hanging in there. Good. My inbox is an absolute <laughs> no. crater at the moment, Colin. Uh, this seems just to, to get it right. I didn't do play Plane of Origin. That was an absolute car crash. I was not wrong. <laughs> does, does not want to be associated with that one. All right, sorry. Please we'll scrap that, that off the list. The list. <laughs> Goodness me, Colin. Well, apologies for that. Well, let's get into a bit of your history. I mean, you've been on our TVs for a while, but tell us about cooking food over the years and particularly this kind of pub tucker in Australia that is such a big part of our diet. Well, you know, I, I started in fine dining and then I didn't have the money to open a fine dining restaurant, so I, I took over a pub, which is the four in hand, and everyone looked down the nose at it. But really, at the time, it was just before um, you know the country went bust. What year was that? Was the, uh, when the, when the, oh, the economy crashed. <laughs> yeah, oh, right. and, and people just wanted real food. And then it turned into this thing where actually could go to a pub and get real food from proper chefs. And then it just took off from there. And, and now look where we are. Like you can, some of the best, best dining in Australia is in pubs now. All right, and so when it comes to pubs and you're putting together a menu, the real reason why this got brought up, Colin, is that people are saying now that wedges are starting to be a thing of, of the past, of yesteryear. I mean, is there a push against wedges in the market? Uh, I, I don't do wedges, but, I mean, if I'm in a pub and after uh, six cartons, I'd, I'd like an L wedge, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you won't say no to a wedge in that situation. There's always a time and a place for some wedges. You know, it's like, you know, it's like a kebab. There's always a time and a place. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Now, when it comes to a wedge, these are the little peripheral issues before we get into the big one. Um, size of the wedge, it's important. Is it true that the bigger wedges are the worst ones. You want the small, crispy ones. Now, I think you want sort of a medium size because if it's mm. too small, it's too crispy and there's no moisture inside. And then again, if it's too big, maybe the potato's too hard. So you want sort of in the middle. So you want that fluffiness of the potato and the crispy crunch. What do they call it? It's like an armadillo. Crunchy <laughs> on the outside, soft in the middle. There, <laughs> there you go. All right, what about where where to put your little uh, little tub of sauces? Do you just sit it on top like the Leaning Tower of Pisa or is what's wrong with on the side? On the side. Yep. Absolutely. Somewhere with a sturdy base. Now, some people, and we haven't even brought this up, they put the big thing of sour cream and they put the sweet chilli on top in the one bowl. Other people... Quite rightly, leave you up to your own devices, separate the sour cream and the sweet chilli. How do you feel? Well, it's pretty serious after the year of the pandemic we've had. Like, this is just another problem we've got to deal with, you know? <laughs> we've got it. <laughs> like, it just keeps getting worse. 2021, we told we were free. You need separate bowls, people. Yeah, look, it is true. With these separate bowls, it brings us to the hot button issue. What are you dipping your wedge in first? Is it sweet chilli? Is it sour cream? We've decided to go out and uh, get some voices for a few of the messages we've been getting over the last couple of days, Colin. Now, these are real messages we've gotten. Haven't changed a word, but it is not their real voices. These uh, (laughs) these These are actual messages we've been receiving here. And Matt and Alex, all day breakfast. Sarah says, sour cream first. Five exclamation marks. Sour cream doesn't drip off like sweet chilli does. Therefore, not contaminating the other ramekin. Two exclamation marks. Beck says, you're savage, Matt. It's sweet chilli, then sour cream. Double exclamation mark. Also, if you're lactose intolerant, then you don't want to have your sour cream encroaching in your sweet chilli pot. Think of all the lactose intolerant people out there. Double exclamation mark. (laughs) Joel says, hashtag Team Alex. Sweet chilli first, baby. Exclamation mark. Jory says, 
you need the sour cream to stick to the dry surface of the chip. And then you enhance the yummy with the chilli glaze, exclamation mark. <laughs> Do it the other way and the cream will just slide right off. JD says... Sweet chilli first! Exclamation mark. John says... Alex, you are committing a pub crime every time you dip into the sweet chilli before the sour cream. If you do it the proper way, the sour cream goes onto the wedges cleanly, then the sweet chilli onto the sour cream without any cross-contamination. If you do it the incorrect way, you will end up with sweet chilli all through your sour cream, you animal. Emmett says an architectural second optioner should know creaming first provides the structural rigidity and increased surface area required for the perfect chilli-dairy ratio. You are loved and supported, just not in this. Brett says, rat dong, is that wrong? Exclamation mark. Georgia says, it has to be sweet chilli, then sour cream. I'm with Alex on this. Do you also put cream on your scone before the jam? Tut, tut. Wow. Are we still going? I was just about to read a book here. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, well, that's how, that's how outrageous this argument has been this week, Colin, okay? The, the, the country is mad. Yeah. And we, we've called on you to settle this debate for us. One of the leading chefs in Australia, especially when it comes to pubs. I was still thinking about the lactose intolerant there. Like, I know. Worried, I, you know? That we got was big a, that, issues on this show. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. So we had like those dietitians messaging. It sounded like we had engineers messaging in <laughs> the structural rigidity of it all. But when you're looking out through the return at the pub, Colin, and you're spotting someone grab it, what ramekin should they be dipping that chip in first? Well, the whole thing is one word. It's called viscosity, right? So your sour cream is obviously thicker than your sweet chilli. So you would dip your sour cream first, because it's and you want it cold as well. So your hot chip hits the cold sour cream, so it's still cold when you taste it. And then when you run it through the chili, it slowly melts with the sour cream. But as someone said, it does not leave a residual cream in the sweet chili. It Whereas does not. As if it is, you've got you've got little white sour cream no, dandruff in your sweet you chili. Right. Not if you do it right. So. As someone who was not on plate of origin and is a top chef, I would say you go to sour cream first and then the chili. Wow. Well, I have judged some idiots in my time. So I know better. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm not happy about it, but I respect yes! the expert opinion yes! uh, from you, Collins. So thank you very much for taking the time out. Uh, thank you for uh, thank you, Colin, shedding thank some you, lights. Just give me a ring next pandemic over any problem you got. Um, <laughs> well, what about the uh, what goes on first? The scones. Uh, you go the jam or you go the cream on top? Jam first. Same <gasps> problem. Jam, no, jam, no, no, six, no, no. Yeah, the dairy yeah. second Alex. on the scones. <laughs> Hang on a second. Alex, Are you telling me dairy off. second on Thank the scones? Thank you very much, Are you Colin. saying yeah, it's different, really Colin? appreciate you. Oh, okay. Well, World War Wedge may have finished, but World War Scone is beginning. All day breakfast with a cup of tea with a tea bag stuck in it. Mm-mm.
Now, Matt O'Connor, it's time to welcome to the studio someone who, like all of us, had, you know, a challenging 2020, but I think this particular person takes the cake. Um, He's joining us as it is Testicular Cancer Awareness Month this month and someone who's been through it and a lockdown to boot is Mr. Michael Schaefer. Hello, Michael. Hey guys, yeah, I think I won twenty twenty. Oh, I tell you what, that is that is quite the trump card, my friend. When uh, people are having a having a little bit of a um, chat about the you know the ills of twenty twenty, you've uh, you got the a bit of a double whammy there. Well, you know, a friend of mine said to me, uh, you know, I had a pretty rough twenty twenty because I had to homeschool my kids, and I was like, uh, well, you know, I had cancer. So, <laughs> mind you, I do think that like homeschooling your kids is, is worse than getting cancer. I do think that's worse. <laughs> Just because, why? like, when why? you get why? cancer, it's, it's objectively true because, like, when you get cancer, you're like, I'm going to beat this, I'm going to live through this. But when you have to teach Jaden algebra, you're like, just kill me now, honestly, <laughs> like, endless suffering. So the attitude is very different, you know? <laughs> so, take, so, I mean, Alex just said, Michael, that it's the second time that you've had to defeat cancer. Um, take us back to the very first time. What happened? Where were you and what was that feeling like? Yes, I was first diagnosed in October 2017 and I was 26 at the time, so... It was a huge shock because I'd never really had any health issues, to be honest. I had to do like six months of chemotherapy, a few rounds of surgery, and then I was in remission for about two years and then went in for a routine scan in July 2020 and they saw that I had uh, a growth coming back in my abdomen, which is kind of where it had spread originally. So, um, yeah, it just meant I had to go in for more chemo and uh, more surgery last year. So did you discover it due to checking yourself as like a lot of people are kind of recommended to do and is constantly the messaging in months like this and throughout the year? Or was it something that a completely side issue that you weren't ever expecting it to come out as this? Yeah, well, my right testicle had been getting larger for a period and I just kind of kept putting it off. I just didn't want to go to my doctor, I guess. I was just really kind of young and stupid. Um, and I just assumed like, you know, nothing bad could ever happen to me. So um, that was the main thing for me. The right tests were getting larger. And so that's why it's like really important for guys to be checking, you know, their testicles. Like they recommend like once a month, just to have a feel down there. If anything's changing in size or, you know, texture or whatever, um, just go to your doctor and get it checked out. Movember's doing a great, great campaign this this year called Know Thy Nuts. And uh, it's just about raising awareness about that. So uh, if you're not sure, head to the Movember webpage because they've got a lot of great information up there. Can I just say, I mean, I don't know whether it's specifically, I mean, my mum passed away from cancer when I was very young. So I have I have certain connections to it and, and certain fears of it. But th- even just talking about it, and I'm sure you've encountered a lot of people like this, it makes me feel so uncomfortable. My My stomach gets like butterflies and I can completely relate to the feeling of not wanting to go and check something out. Is this, is this quite common? Are you finding that people, people, you know, feel like this? I think so. I mean, I do think that there's still like a bit of a stigma associated with the cancer diagnosis. I think people don't want to talk about it. That's why I just think it's really important to be talking about it on stage. Like it's kind of been a big part of, you know, my stand up for a couple of years. And I just get so many people come up to me after a show and just be like, oh, it's just nice to hear someone talk about this on stage in a public forum and like not have any shame around it. Um, Mm. You know, like I'm talking about losing a testicle and 
the benefits of that and how I can now feel comfortable in my skinny jeans. And, you know, that's kind of like <laughs> my attitude to everything is like, everything has like a funny side to it. Everything has a, you know, has, um, you know, a bit of a positive side to it. So I just think it's really important to talk about it in a public space because, yeah, I do think that a lot of people get uneasy discussing it. I do think there's a lot of stigma and a lot of shame around it, particularly with men's genitals. That's probably one of the reasons why I didn't go to my doctor for so long. I didn't want to look at my, my dick and balls and stuff, but, you know, <laughs> that's what you got to do. Well, it's always that's the it. smallest. It's always the smallest it's ever been when you have to get it out in front of a doctor. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> at least turn off the air conditioning before I come in for a check, you know? Help me out here, doctor. The testicle inspection sh- should take place. The GP should have a sauna at the offices. You should have to go in there just to make sure that it's all ready to go. But, Michael, it's t- it'll be tough enough, you know, to in any job to balance a cancer diagnosis with your job. Having a... Com- comedian job. I think the way that it is difficult to talk about, a lot of people would are scared to laugh about these kind of, you know, serious issues. Did it make it super challenging to j- jump up on stage and perform comedy when this is your your topic? I think as soon as I just kind of like broke the tension, it was fine. Like I'd always get up there and be like, don't worry guys, I'm fine. Like this isn't my make a wish. You don't have to worry. Like it's fine. <laughs> and like kind of once you kind of address that, in the room because mm. everyone's thinking, is this guy okay? Like once you kind of address that, then I think it's it's fine and everyone's, you know, feels comfortable laughing. So it took a while for me to kind of get used to that, but I'm really glad that I did. And in terms of getting used to your body after that, what was it like, and I know you joke about it, but, um, you know, when you on, only having one testicle, do they replace it? Does it feel different? Is there different functioning? Did the doctor tell you how close you were to, you know, it it, it spreading all through your body? What was that all like? Yeah, well, I mean, so losing a testicle, I don't know. I feel like some men would feel really um, upset about that. But, like, I was genuinely, like, fine. Like, my attitude has always just been, like, I don't really define my masculinity through my balls and stuff, which is, <laughs> I guess, what traditionally a lot of men do. But I just don't really kind of define myself that much through my balls. I've always felt like, you know, the male genitals are pretty gross. So I've always felt like less is more down there, if anything, <laughs> as a general rule. So losing one, I think, is fine. And you can get a replacement. I know that a lot of young guys do, and I understand, you know, if young guys, you know, they don't have a partner or they're out on the dating scene, you kind of, you know, it's a bit awkward sometimes you take a girl home and you've got one testicle. So they do have that replacement as an option. I didn't get it. My doctor did tell me that a lot of guys get the prosthesis put in and he said that they often hate it because it's like really uncomfortable. And he said that you can get like a small, medium or large prosthesis. And he said that men always go for the large one. They're like, just give me the big one. <laughs> what? That is so do, ridiculous. Is it just an S, an M and an L or do they have sort of like cup sizes like breasts would have? I, I, I was blown away when he said there were three options because it's like you get more options when you buy a Slurpee. I was like, this is wild stuff. <laughs> three options for a testicle for the rest of your life. Yeah, well, you are, are performing 110% at the Melbourne International Comedy Fest. We've got some dates in Sydney as well. You should definitely check out Michael Schaefer in Sydney. But you're saying audiences, once you break that ice, they're pretty good um, with the, uh, you know, cancer material. How does it go with doctors and nurses and health practitioners when you're sitting there in the gown in these sort of environments you've had to be in and you start cracking jokes with them in a professional setting? 
<laughs> well, it's funny because like in a professional setting, they're like, oh, they, they can't laugh at it. <laughs> but then my doctors and like some, a lot of my nurses from Peter McCallum and Cabrini Hospital came along to my show the other night. Oh. <laughs> and I've never been, I've never been more nervous performing in front of my oncologist because like if I do badly, he's going to be like, oh, he wasn't worth saving. I don't know why he tried so hard. Oh like that's, no. uh, that's so much pressure. And then the next day he flicked me an email and he said, um, great show, Michael, well worth the chemo. So um, oh, that's a pretty good review. That's a pretty oh, good review. Oh, man, it is so dark, but it is incredible that you're able to come out with this, Michael, and uh, talk about it in the open and help us, you know, give a nod to Testicular Cancer Awareness Month, something you have been going through two times now. We hope that it is the final time that you uh, head through it. But, uh, yeah, we cannot appreciate you coming on enough. Thank you very much for hanging out with me and Matt on All Day Breakfast. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Know Thy Nuts is what you need to look up on the Movember website yeah. if you want to get a little bit more info on that. As Michael said, he was 26 years old, so never a bad time to um, give it a little check. And, yeah, fingers crossed, things will be all gravy. Thank you very much for listening to All Day Breakfast today. Thank you to all our guests, except for Colin Fastnage. That was ridiculous. Although, oh. you know, you got to be gracious and accept the decision. And I guess we did promise, Matt, I, from now on I have to do sour cream first when I'm eating my wedge. Yeah, of course. Where if you do it the other way and you get a little bit of sweet oh chilli in your stop sour it. cream ramekin, stop. it's exactly what you want. You've lost, Because you want man. the sour cream on it. That's what you're you know telling what me. You are? Anyway. You're one of those. You're one of those UFC fighters who's been absolutely <laughs> flawed, but doesn't realise. Yeah. Still trying to like fight and then argue <laughs> with the ref when they're absolutely <laughs> off with the fairies. Goodness me. Anyway, we're gonna call it. We're gonna call it there. It's out, man. Ding, ding, ding. You're World, done. World War Wedge is officially over. The bad guys win. Um, oh, get and now we live in a weird dystopian society. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. As always, we'll catch you for another episode tomorrow. This has been All Day Breakfast. Goodbye. Listener.